0: And you've heard sermons about Matthew 25 verses 14 to 30 and you may think that you've heard everything that there is to hear about it but it seems to me that this is a particular passage that affronts our sensibilities and we're always trying to reform it in a way so it doesn't insult we who live in the 21st century. It's unfair and it's unjust. Why was he so mean to the servant who buried the money and who was fearful? And what is the message there? And the message is is that we are not to be fearful, but we are to risk and we are to be accountable to one another. Do you know that in the Middle Ages, they stopped talking about talents being money and they sort of began to make it sound like, oh, we're supposed to use the gifts of God, the talents that God has given us. And in English, the word talents usually refers to the talent agent who uh, makes us become famous as a dancer or a singer or something like that. But in New Testament Greek, This is a weight, a measure of weight. It will cost you five talents of gold to purchase this piece of land. The amount of money that was given to each of these was a substantial amount, more than what we would earn in a lifetime. But it's about money. It's about money. And I tell you what, I'm not shy about speaking about money in church. Because money is a medium of exchange that we have come to use in sharing what God has given us. It's one of the tools, one of the methods that we have. Jesus talked more about money than anything else. That was one of his favorite topics because it can consume us. How we handle money makes a difference in our relationship with God. And Jesus knew that, and so he was more than willing to talk about it. So let's talk about money today. It's on our minds. But let me remind you that it's not money itself, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And it is that love of money that separates us from the love of God because we make money so important in our lives. We're really filled right now with a lot of economic problems. We can't talk about the weather because the economy has become the chief topic. And we're filled with worry and fear about the future. I want to tell you that In one way, we can live on a lot less than what we're living on now, and that's sort of part of the problem that uh, has led to where we are. We're all living beyond our means, and we're all filled with a certain level of um, debt that we don't know what to do with. And then as the whole thing begins to spiral down, more and more fear leads us to doing things that create even more fear and more economic woes. And it's a downward spiral like the water in your bathtub and it's going around and around and pretty soon it feels like all we're going to hear is the gurgling of the last of the water going out. And then what are we going to do? Economic problems are bigger than we've seen since the Great Depression of 1929. And the fear has now become so strong that people are beginning to panic. The foreclosures are going up. Unemployment is going up. They haven't talked about it yet, but crime, is going to go up. Foreclosures means that there are going to be more people living on the street. There are going to be more people needing housing and help with their food, finding a job. And how as a church are we going to respond to the needs of our community, both those within the walls but those in the surrounding neighborhoods of First Baptist Church? Now you have to, to know something about me, and you're just getting acquainted, know this, I am a naive optimist. My optimism is incurable, don't confuse me with the facts, because I trust in God absolutely, and I am a naive optimist, and my naivete is about the pundits and the preponders of all of the economic theories, but my faith is in God. And it is in God that I trust, not because it's printed on our coinage, but because in the entire history of the Bible, God fulfilled God's promises. One of my wonderful favorite books is a little book that's called Economics for Profits, (laughs) but it's P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, those people who knew the heart of God, economics for them, not P-R-O-F-I-T-S, profits for those of us who are always seeking another God, and that is wealth and financial security. Well, I was filled with hope, and on Tuesday night, I was struck by this sense of the hope that is just beginning, I believe, here in the United States and around the world, that maybe we were beginning to bottom out. And I was inspired. On Tuesday night, I sat at my computer and I typed out this sermon. And I was so filled with the assurance that things were going to turn around. We have so many positive things to look forward to. The election is over and we have selected our next leader. And it's not that one candidate won over the other, but that there is newness coming with new energy, with new ideas, with new solutions to problems that have haunted us for a long time and that George W. Bush will be leaving the White House and we will have an orderly transition. It's not just that he was probably the least effective and least popular of the presidents in the history. It's not about that. It's just simply that we're going to get a new leader. I have to be politically careful here. I understand that. (laughs) And then, later in the week, there came more bad news. And then there was good news. stock market was up, and then it was down. There, were, there was that little article that said, if, if you're ready to get back in the stock market, here's how you do it. And there were signs that certain companies like Walmart were actually seeing an increase in profits. But your General Motors stock is worth nothing. And we're living in this time of ambivalence that breeds fear. But my hope I discovered upon reflection, you see, was built upon what I was hearing in the newspaper and not my understanding of God and God's presence in the world today. My hope is built on my faith and not on signs that I'm seeing or words that I'm reading. It was the prophet Jeremiah, one of my most favorite prophets, prophets of all of the Old Testament, when times were the darkest, when the city of Jerusalem was about to be besieged and ultimately was destroyed, the word of God came to him in the book we now have is Jeremiah, and God said, I want you to buy a piece of land In Anatoth, his family had a piece of land there, and he was the one who was in line to claim it. Now, who in their right mind would go buy land when you know that the battle is coming and it's going to be bombed? Who in their right mind would begin to invest money when God says that the temple is going to fall and all of the leaders are going to be taken into exile? And there will be Jerusalem, but one that's in ashes and destroyed, torn down. Who in their right mind? Except a prophet of God who knows that God is faithful. And so Jeremiah bought that field. And upon hope like that is that which, upon which we build We are now going to have to borrow against our future to bring that future into being as a world economic order. And we have to do that with the confidence that in the future there will be opportunity for us to redeem that which is lost. Not just a field, but the whole economic system that stands before us. And so it is in this sense of hope that we have in our country that I think that people at First Baptist Church need to take into their hearts about our future. Because like our country, which seems to have gone astray, we have sort of gotten off track a little bit on what we're doing and the power and the strength with which we can be a voice of prophecy of hope and a witness to God's power. But we have now a new beginning. We now have new possibilities. God has been, and God will be faithful. In difficult times, our Christian values come to the fore. But also in difficult times, our value in our faith comes out. And so let's talk about money at First Baptist Church. Next week is the week when you vote. You decide what are our programs going to be in 2009. As you fill out a pledge card, a promise, a statement of your intent. Will you do that? through the the prism of fear and worry over the world economic situation or will you do it with the faith and the confidence that God is faithful still Will you be cutting back on your spending in the areas of electronics equipment? Will you put off buying a new car for another year? Will you perhaps not spend quite as much on a large and new wardrobe? You're not spending $150,000 or whatever on your new wardrobe so that you can look good. <laughs> you, you don't want to be doing that right now, I know that we want to be conserving our money, that we can use it for that which is most important in our lives. In the next months, when you look back in your checkbook, you will know what's most important in your lives because your checkbook will tell you. Those stubs, those filmy little things, the tracing paper, the the non-carbon paper thing that you write on, That'll be the statement of faith about what has had meaning to you. Where do your values lie? I think that First Baptist Church, sitting as we do up on the bench facing the valley, is indeed a beacon of hope, a light to the world, an encouragement to the community. We can combat the darkness and the fear, the panic that is going to be going on out there, and we're going to be feeling it more and more. We can show, we can demonstrate our faith in God and the possibilities of newness, of resurrection, of becoming new in Jesus Christ. We can have strong programs. But we vote by what we say we're going to do, and it's next week when that occurs. So this passage is about giving all of our talents. Yes, talents of being able to sing, then sing with joy. Talents of being able uh, to to lead people, then be a leader for God's sake. That we use those talents that God gives us for the upbuilding of God's kingdom on earth right now, this coming year. And so the passage is about that, but it's also about risk and accountability in, in a financial sense. It is about being willing to step out and to risk what it is that you're going to be doing in terms of supporting. The Ministry of this church, and what that ministry will say to the people in the community about who God is and how God works in our lives. First Thessalonians chapter five ends in verse 11 that Chuck read. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. One of the things that I have seen very clearly in this congregation is people doing just that. That you give words of encouragement to one another. That you give support when someone is down or when someone needs help, you're willing to extend, extend a helping hand. And so we, are need to, we need to take it the next step and to be willing to do that in the talents, the coinage of our day in sharing Two of my friends were involved in a congregation where they were doing a capital campaign, very much like the one that you engaged upon and sort of stopped for a while. You're sort of taking a recess. And they were trying to figure out how much they could give. They had one child starting college and another one just a couple of years behind you know what the cost of going to college is these days, and especially if you have bright kids that want to go to a very good school. And they really prayed over how much can we give. Do we give by stretching and risking? Or do we hold back so that we're doing our own security instead of trusting God? And God works in just really wonderful ways because they together agreed on an amount that they would give to the church. And they made their pledge card, they filled it out, and they turned it in. And two days later, their son received a full-ride scholarship to a prestigious university. Now, you can use stories like that to manipulate people And I think that manipulation is a poor way to motivate. Or you can hold it up as a sign. You can hold it up as a sign that God is faithful. And God is faithful still. When you step out in trust and when you're willing to risk. So here's my challenge for you today. For this next week, as you are considering filling out your pledge cards... Whenever you're ending a conversation with somebody and you're saying goodbye, being on the telephone, or be it one-on-one, instead of saying, take care, see you soon, I want you to say, take risks, see you soon. This is the word of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is trustworthy and is able. Amen.